0: Well, hey, good morning to you guys. I hope you're doing uh, amazing today. And uh, your uh, football team is doing awesome and uh, life is good. The kids are great, Um, grandkids, amazing. I hope uh, God is uh, working and doing really good things in your life. We live in a very, very crazy world. It seems very uh, fragile right now. What's going on in our world, it just seems really, really chaotic. And uh, I don't know. It just it seems like we may be very close to the second coming of Jesus, and wouldn't that be insane if Jesus came back soon, and 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 all that we know ended, it was all over, and uh, and those who love the Lord and are holding on to Him are eternally safe in heaven, and those who have rebelled and are part of the problem are uh, separated and uh, taken out of this place and God uh, moves his people into the next realm of life. How incredibly awesome would that be? I, I hope we're ready. I hope we will all be ready. If you're listening uh to this, I hope that you are ready that Jesus is Lord of your life and that you are ready for Him to come at any moment. I hope you are because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being all in with God. If we're not all in with God, then we're not in. It's, it's all or nothing with God. He's just all, He's about all in. That's it. That's it. He doesn't want 90% of you, He doesn't want 80 or 70. He wants one hundred percent complete surrender. You dead to yourself and alive in Him, and that's that's the only place that we can be with God. To all, in. That's why we're spending so much time on this ch- on this book, First John chapter. Uh, we're in First John chapter four. Go there in your Bible. Follow along with me. We're gonna just finish chapter four, and we're just gonna preach verse by verse by verse until uh, we get to the end of this thing and we're gonna then have chapter five to finish up in the next few weeks and we'll move on to another topic. But this this is so critically important, especially as we consider the times that we are living today. John is so hopeful for the believers. Uh, they're in Ephesus, they're living uh, in, in the area of Ephesus They're meeting together in small home churches all around Ephesus. And John sends his letter, 1 John, to these churches uh, later on in his life, at the end of his life. And he's encouraging them in a lot of of ways that we have dug into uh, through his letter. And it's such a great letter to keep moving us and keep motivating us and keep challenging us. To let Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh, be Lord and Savior of our lives. That we would be all in with Jesus all the time. And so, in this last part of chapter 4, his challenge has been to love like God. Like, we've been talking about love for the last few weeks. And um, to know, like, all of the directions of God, his heart. The height of his love, the width of his love, the length of his love, the depth of his love, right? To know it all, to like see his love and to see God from this mountaintop view where, where you can see everything and you you just can take it all in, the whole view of God's love. Because most of the time we live in a little piece of God's love and it's a very narrow view of what we Think it is, but God's love is so much bigger than we'll ever know. And so we're going to dive right in. We're in verse 13, 1 John chapter 4. John goes on to say this. He says, this is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. He has given us his Holy Spirit. This is how we know that we live in him and he lives in us, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Now, this is huge. This is so very, very big. The Holy Spirit of God is the identifying factor in knowing that we are in him and he is in us. And then, what the Spirit brings with him, which is what we've been talking about uh, a lot, which is love, which is the the fruit of the Spirit. And the the, the greatest of these is love, is love. That love will come forth out of our life if the Holy Spirit is in us. And this is going to be his argument in this whole little section, and we're going to kind of see it as we go through this. The Holy Spirit, powerful, the Holy Spirit, uh, mighty, mighty, able to move mountains, able to change hearts, able to win battles. His spirit in us is the proof. His spirit alive in us and working is a proof that God is among us, that he is in us. That his, his spirit is now taking over this ship, And it's no longer the spirit of the world, thinking of the world, living like the world. I am now, I am now consumed by the spirit of God and my whole purpose for living, my whole passion for living is God. It's all about God. Everything I do, my business dealings, my work, my family, everything that I am, I am all in with God. I am all in with his kingdom. If the Holy Spirit has taken over, then he owns it all. If he doesn't own it all, then he hasn't taken over. You haven't let him take over. You're holding him back. So, how do we know? How do we know that we have the Spirit of God? How do we know this? How, how do we, like, when I ask myself, Is the Holy Spirit living in me? How do I know that he is? Like, how do I know? What what should happen? What should be happening? That's the great question, because that's one that we have to evaluate like on a constant basis. And because not only is the Holy Spirit to take us over, to come in and dwell in us, but he's supposed to have his way in us. So so now there's, there's things that we can look at in my life that I can can really determine if my life is changing and becoming more like Christ. And that helps me understand if the Holy Spirit is truly in me, changing me. And it's the Holy Spirit, not just me doing it. Not just me trying to be a good person. Me just trying to to be nice to the world. But it's the Holy Spirit who has come into my life with a purpose And now he's using me for a purpose for the kingdom of God. It isn't about my purpose. It's about God's purpose. Big difference right there. How do we know? Remember, John has been saying that there's two spirits in the world, right? There's the spirit of the world and there's the spirit of God, right? So one of these, the spirit of the world or the spirit of God, is controlling you. And sometimes... We bounce back and forth. Because we've invited the Spirit of God into our life, but we still live according to the Spirit of the world. So there's a dilemma in all this. But God's desire is that the Holy Spirit would take over and have complete control and have his way in you. So how do we know who is controlling us? How do we know who's controlling us? How do we know? Is it because we can chant louder, we love Jesus, yes we do, we love Jesus, how about you? Is, is that how we know that the Spirit of God is in us? Is it because I go to church and I do churchy things? Is that, I, I watch it on TV. Is that how I know the spirit of God is in me? Is it because I feel that I have uh, God's spirit in me? I just feel God's presence in my life. Like, like when I bite into a peppermint patty, this sense of, uh, uh, of, of, of rushing water comes all over me. Is that how I know? Is it because I can pray with some kind of spiritual eloquence? Is that how I know or because I give in the offering plate or I serve as a deacon or I've been in the church for 50 years? Is this how we know the Spirit of God is in us? It's not a feeling. The Spirit of God in us is not a feeling and it's not an emotion and it's not a sensation as much as many churches that you see out there want it to be about that. That if there's a lot of hype and a lot of like Craziness going on, then the spirit of God is moving, and we're we're acting out of uh, out of body kind of. Is that what it is that the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in us? Act like a bunch of crazy fools. God's spirit in us is based on the truth. It's based on the truth, and it's based on the truth of what God says, not on how I feel. Not even what I think, but what he has said. And that is the bottom line key truth of all of this. It's based on what God says in his word, what he promises, what he will do, not in anything about me other than my response back to him. It's based on his truth, what he said. So how do I know that I have the spirit of God in me? Here's how. I have simply responded to his free gift of grace. His free gift of grace. I have responded to what God has given us in his son, Jesus with all of my heart and all of my mind and all of my soul and all of my strength, I have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I have been baptized into Christ. I have given my life to him. He has forgiven my sin and he has cleansed me and given me his Holy Spirit. I am simply obeying what God has said with everything in me, in all honesty and truth, that's the only way I can come to God. Not on a feeling, not on an emotion, but on the simple intellectual understanding and truth of God. And I am obeying exactly what the scriptures tell us we must do, In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that great sermon, and he told the people, the Jews that were listening, that they crucified the Son of God, they crucified the Messiah, they crucified the one that they had been waiting for. They said, what should we now do? What do we do? How do we get back right with God? And Peter said this, repent, change And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's that simple. It's that simple. If you want God to drive out the spirit of the world out of your life and then give you his Holy Spirit or come to dwell in you by his Holy Spirit, then you must repent, change your thinking, change your way of life, turn and face God, start moving toward God, repent and be immersed into Christ, be baptized into Jesus. That's what you must do. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, this is what you must do. And know, according to the truth of God's word, that his spirit will then come and dwell in you. It's knowledge. It's the truth of God. This is what he said he will do if you will do this. God will do his part. And he will come to dwell in you because God promises to give to His Spirit to anyone who will call on His name. And calling on His name isn't just saying, Jesus, coming to my life, praying a little prayer. Calling on His name has to do with putting your faith and trust in Jesus, repenting of your sins, and being immersed into Christ. This is the gospel message of salvation. This is how the Holy Spirit can now come and live in the life of a human being who is a sinful creature by accepting Jesus and his death in my place. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking about prayer. And he says something very interesting. Look what he says. He says, which of you fathers, got any fathers in the room out there? Yes. If your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? That's crazy, okay. Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Right, if he asks for something nice, are you gonna give him something dangerous, something poisonous? If you then, though you are evil, us human beings, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? See, it's that simple. God just wants us to come to him with everything in us, all in. God, here I am. I lay myself at your feet and I'm willing then to do whatever you say I must do to come into an agreement, to come into this covenant relationship with you. And if you say, repent and be baptized, I am going to repent and be baptized because I want the Holy Spirit to come and live in my life. It's fairly simple. We simply come to God on his terms, and God desires, then, to give you his Holy Spirit. Now, living according to the Holy Spirit, and obeying the truths of the Holy Spirit, and letting the Spirit of God work in you and transform you, that's next-level living. We're just talking about how the Holy Spirit comes into your life, that initial uh, accepting of Jesus into your life. It's step number one, right? Step one is we respond to God's free gift of grace, but on God's, or, uh, God's orders and His agenda according to His truth, we repent and we're immersed into Christ, and He gives us His Holy Spirit. Step two is that we begin to pursue God in our life, like we, we change our will. We change our ways. We change our passions. And he is now number one. What he wants is number one. Everything that I have in this world and everything I do in this life is for now, is now for him. If you're caught up in the world, if you are all caught up in the world, and your mind is on worldly things, then you will quench the work of, That the Spirit of God is trying to do in you, by your free will, you will limit the power of God in you. You will do this. God allows us to be co-workers with him in our life. And we have the power and the ability and the free will to chase after the things of the world. We can still do that after we've given our life to Christ. We can still not have our head and our heart set on the right things. We have to discipline ourselves to go after God, to pursue God. You know, one day uh, I went uh, to brush my teeth at our sink in the bathroom. And I turned the faucet on and drip, drip, drip. Has that ever happened to you guys? Like, no water pressure, no nothing. It's just dripping No gushing flow coming out, just this trickling little drip. Well, it turned out that our pump had gone out. We were on a pump system outside of of Graham, and uh, our pump went out, and so there was no more pressure. It was gone. There was no flow. See, um, many believers, for many believers... We have the power of the Holy Spirit and the power is there. It's, it's in you because you gave your life to Christ, you surrendered to Him, you repented, you were immersed into Jesus. But what our pursuit of God is, is like this little trickle. Like we're not all going after God. We're just trickling after God. It's a little trickle effort. We are, we're not in His word. we're not involved in the work of His church. We're not among other believers growing in our faith. We're not hungry and thirsty for him to change us and use us for his glory. We are simply a spiritual drip. We're a drip. We're a drip. And my encouragement is this. Open the faucet. Open the faucet. Let the pump Flow, Go all in and let the Spirit of God gush through you. Let Him flow through you. You get to control that. And if you'll just let God have His way and stop chasing after your own stuff, God's river of power will flow through you like never before. Verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the savior of the world. John again says, we have, we, the apostles, the apostles, our eyewitnesses, walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, watched him do miracles in him. John again is saying, look, don't forget this. I'm telling you these things because I have heard this straight from Jesus himself, not some other source. I didn't read about it from somebody else that wrote it. John is saying, I was there with him. I know these things to be true and I testify, I testify that I have seen him and I am now testifying of what I have seen and what I have heard, and what Jesus said about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, not religion, not some some belief system, but it's about this person of Jesus who is our only hope, who came in the flesh, God the Father's Son, the Savior of the world, of all creation, this person, Jesus. He is the Son, and he is the Savior of the world. That's awesome. That's awesome. Verse 15 and 16, he says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Look at this. If you acknowledge this is not just some brain thought Oh, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, therefore I'm now saved and I'm going to have. That is not what this means. This word is bigger than that. Two things that John has already hit hard on, okay? Two things that he hits hard on. He says, acknowledge Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. This has to do with falling in line with what he said, not just believing it. The demons believe and they shake, they shudder because they understand the power of Jesus. That's not enough to just have a mental thought about who Jesus is. It it has to do with backing it up with a life, a life of living for God. It's a life of obedience toward Jesus. Acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God and he is now my Lord and Savior. God now lives in them and they in God. So acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. Confessing that Jesus is Lord. Believing, my life now supporting, backing up what it is I say that I believe. Putting my money where my mouth is and putting my actions where my mouth is. That's where the rubber uh, meets the road. And then he says, God is love. You see it? God is love right here. God is love. He says that several times. And we are to live in God and that love that like beautiful, lavished love, we're to live in it. And we already talked about it last few weeks that love is for us, that love comforts us, that love engulfs us. We love that good, juicy love of God, but that love also has wrath, that love also has discipline, that love also has has a, a intention and is refining fire and it's not all going to feel good when it's the love of God some of it is is the scalpel of God cutting away stuff in our life the full view that we talked about of God's love the full view his goodness and his refining need them both and don't miss the two words that John uses here, he says in verse 16, look, he says, verse 16, and we know and rely on the love that God has for us. John says these two words: know, and this is what we talked about a minute ago. How do we know we have the spirit? We we know because of God's truth. That's how it's not a feeling, it's not some sensation, but we know based on the truth of God's word and knowledge, we know. We have come to know, John says. We have come to understand. We have come to intellectually comprehend something. And now we understand, this is what God says. This is what I must do. And we come to him in truth and in clarity, not in confusion, not in chaos, not in emotion but simply in the understanding that this is what God said I must do, and this is what I will do. Simple truth. Just the simple truth of God. We know a lot of stuff. Right? We do. We know a lot of stuff about stuff. Sports, and subways, and airplanes, and cars, and whatever. The grass, the Tomato plants. I mean, we know a lot of random stuff. Like, we know a lot of stuff. Some things that we know, we don't believe. Think about that. Some things that we know, we simply don't believe. UFOs, maybe. Uh, Maybe somebody out there does. I don't. If they did exist, why why so, like, why Why haven't most people seen one? Why is it just certain people? Bigfoot? Bigfoot? Blue Sasquatch? Yeah, he's running around out there somewhere. Galactus Monster? You know, maybe people see them. I don't know. Seems like there'd be a little more evidence that they were there. So there's a lot of things that we know about, but we don't believe in them. We don't believe that they're true. Jesus. John is saying I walked with him. I am a witness to what he did. I saw him heal. I saw him feed thousands. I I listened to him teach. I know. And because I know, you can know. This is not a fairy tale. This is not some myth. This is the truth of God. And you can know. You can know. Without any doubt, you can know that Jesus is the Son of God in the flesh and he's coming back again, maybe sooner than we all think. I hope so. I hope he is. I really do. Because this world is a, is a there's a lot of evil. Just all over the world has been f- f- infiltrated with evil to the extent that it is now so loud and so in your face as if it's just normal. From our cities to what's going on in our country, from the top down. The evil just keeps getting worse and uglier, and I don't understand. I don't see how it, it wouldn't be feasible that Jesus is preparing to come back soon. Just seems right on. And here's the one thing, the two things about Jesus coming back, because that's a whole other uh, Bible study altogether. But here's the two things that all you need to think about is this: be ready, be alert, and know He's coming. That's it. You don't have to know all the other details. There's not a lot of details there is to know. Just know that he's coming and be ready when he comes. Have your life ready for Jesus at every moment. Just be ready for his coming and help other people get ready. That's it. That's all you got to do. He's coming. Be alert. Be ready. He's going to come. The other word John says is rely. He says rely on the love that God has for us. This word rely. Oh, it's a great word, right? Like when you're an infant, you don't know anything, right? A baby, uh, a baby in a crib doesn't really know anything, but that baby we know relies on somebody to take care of that baby or that baby will die. That baby cannot take care of themselves. Somebody has to take care of the baby. And that baby, whether knows it or not, is relying on other people. And this is how we rely on God. We rely on God. We put our trust in God. We put our hope in God. We believe in God. This word relies from the Greek word pistis, which means to have faith, to entrust ourselves in Him. We rely and we continue to believe. That's what we do. We rely on God every minute, every second. God, I need You, God, I need you. Constant. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And do you rely like a baby relies on its mom? Do you rely on Jesus with that kind of like abandonment and need and love and appreciation? Verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. This is such a great verse. I love this verse. So I was studying through this, I thought, man, there's a couple things in here that are so good. That are so good for us, and I hope you grab onto them because there's a couple things that John says here that he really hasn't said. He's kind of it kind of fits in with what he's been saying, but he brings up a couple things that he hasn't said. This, this, this is great love, right? This is great love. This, this is being made complete in us. It's being made complete in you and me. That's what's happening. It's, it's, it's being made complete among us. It's 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 being perfected in us. It's it's coming to like a blossom. The more you walk with Jesus, the closer you walk with Jesus, the more you'll let Him strip away stuff that needs to go in your life. Right? You let Him refine you. You let the scalpel of God remove junk, bad attitudes, bad thoughts, bad habits, bad behaviors, all those things. You let God just keep removing that. And you are becoming more and more complete then in Him as you go. Like that, like that, like, like that statue. You know that rock. The, 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 the artist, the sculptor is chipping away, and slowly you can begin to see what it is he's, he's, he's making. Right, he's making this beautiful thing out of you, and that's what God is doing in us. He's being made complete. He's being formed in us right? John touched a little bit on this. His love for us is complete. It's full and it's perfect, but his love in us continues to grow day by day. We know we're not there yet. I've got a long way to go to get there, but the depth and the width and the length and the height of his love is growing. I'm I'm seeing it more clearer the more I walk with him. Paul, we say, Not that I have already obtained all this, but I am growing. I'm growing in my understanding. I'm growing in my knowledge. I'm learning to rely on the Lord. I'm learning to rely on him more and more and trust him more and more. I am growing up in my faith. I am growing more mature in Christ. I know I don't act it all the time. But I know that I am, I know from the inside out, God is molding and shaping and changing and transforming me deeper and deeper, more solid. Like this rock of Christ is being like formed deep within our lives and it's, it's growing stronger. The result, the result of walking with Jesus is this, confidence Confidence on the day of judgment because I'm all in with him and because I'm walking. Not that I'm perfect and I get things right all the time. I don't. But I'm walking with him. He's walking with me. I'm all in with him and I'm trying as best I can to, to be all in every day, all the time. And because of that, this brings to my heart and to my mind confidence on the day of judgment. I have confidence on the day of of judgment. This is huge. This is this is everything. This is big. Our entire future is depending on this truth right here. All of eternity is hanging on this on the day of judgment, on what is going to come in the future, that I'm going to stand face to face with God. And what I need, what I want to have is confidence. And the way that I get this confidence is by being all in with Him and letting His love become complete in me. Not halfway. It's not going to happen halfway not going to happen if I'm only halfway in. It's not going to happen. The confidence will not be there because I know that I'm not all in. We know. But this love of God and Jesus, the Son of God, see, what it does is it truly does provide for you and me as human beings an assurance of his work of the work of Jesus, what He has done, and my connection now, my response and acceptance of Him and what He's done for me. And so, this knowledge that Jesus is exactly who He said, and that Jesus is able to do exactly what He said He can do, His coming, His sacrifice on the cross, is exactly and completely what God the Father required satisfy his wrath, and pay the penalty for our sins. That Jesus accomplished what God the Father required of us human beings. And that Jesus took our place and he became our atoning sacrifice that John talked about last week. And that by faith in Jesus, we can have eternal life. We can look forward to his return, like with no fear. I don't have to be afraid of his return. Like I'm not doing things right or I'm I'm, I'm wrong with God. I know that I have obeyed the truth that I understand. And so when he comes, I can have confidence on that day. I can have complete confidence on that day. Not in what I have done, but in what he has done and my reliance on him. My holding on to him. My obedience to him. My change of, of, of thinking. That I am no longer living for me. But I am living for him. And he says, in this world, we are like Jesus. This is beautiful. This is a beautiful truth. In this world, we are like Jesus do you see that? We are like Jesus two things here both a command to live like Jesus in this world you are like Jesus people are watching you the world is watching you to and we're to explore and we're to walk in this big love of God because because the world needs God and we are a representative of his in this world we are like Jesus. Be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth that he's called you to. And these are also our marching orders to show his love, to walk in his love, to demonstrate the fullness of his love and to let Jesus be complete in me that I, that I am becoming more like Jesus because that's what he wants me to become. That's his goal for me. I am predestined to become like Jesus. You are predestined to become like Jesus. That's what that word is all about. In verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. It's the opposite of confidence. The one who fears is not made perfect. The one who fears is not made perfect. There it is. Perfect love. Perfect love. You're being made uh, conformed in the image of The son of God, his love is being completed in you and that love in you, as it grows, it pushes out fear. It drives out fear, love and fear. These two things cannot coexist. They can't exist at the same place. You can't have the love of God and fear in you at the same time. Now the context here that John's talking about has to do with eternal life and judgment day. That's what he's kind of talking about. The confidence that we can have on the day of judgment. But if you live in love, If you truly live in the love of God that we've been talking about, that John's been talking about, then there is no room for fear. Because you understand that everything works for your good, that God is working all things for your good, for his glory, that he's in charge, he's in control. No matter what happens, I'm good. I'm good with him. I'm good. There's no room for fear in that. If you live in fear, then love is absent. So if you fear stuff on this planet, if you're afraid of things in this world, if you're afraid to stand before God one day, then his love is absent from your life because his love is powerful and it drives out fear. For both to exist in your heart, if you have love and you still have fear, then love is not not complete. It might be on its way, but it's not complete. You are reserving room for doubt and fear to keep its grip on you. You have not completely surrendered, and you're probably not all in. You're hanging on to stuff which is bringing fear into your life. So check it out. If you fully trust in God's love, and we're gonna wrap it up right here. I'm not gonna finish this. If you fully trust in God's love, you rely on Him, you trust Him completely, in this life, for you, peace and direction and protection that God is guiding you. And then through you, that he's using your actions and, and your relationships. And he's He's using you in the world to impact the world around you. That's If his love is being complete, then it's being completed in you as an individual. And it's also being completed through you as a person on the planet. Then there is no room left... For fear if you're truly letting God fully complete his love in you and to you and then through you into the world there's no room for fear there's no thought for fear and if you fully trust Jesus with your eternity then complete complete hope in his work and promise And total confidence and assurance in your eternal home in Christ, then there is no room left for fear. None whatsoever. If you fully trust Him and His love in this life, and if you fully trust Him for your future and eternity, if you really are relying on Him, there is no room left fear. We're going to stop right there. Got a couple verses left and we'll talk about them next time but, but there's just so much good things here that John says oh, so good but here, here's the truth. The truth of it is is that, that we can have a sense of confidence that we can have confidence in Jesus that we can have confidence on the day of judgment because of what Christ has done for us and then his invitation for us to walk with him and him with us that his spirit can dwell in us and empower us to live in God's love and to live with the confidence that we don't have to fear God, but he is now our friend, he is now our savior, he is our Lord, I am his servant. And now there's that oneness has been restored through Jesus that God intended in the beginning. And I can walk on the planet today, knowing I'm not perfect, but knowing I am forgiven. And knowing that it's because of what Jesus has done and me relying on what Jesus has done that changes everything. Come back next week. We're going to finish this chapter and we're going to move on to chapter five. Until then, be all in. Be all in, man. Just go all in with God. Let's go all in. okay? God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you next time.